Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Where Liberty Dwells podcast. I'm your host, Vaughn Hilp. Firstly, did you know about this episode right when it came out? Are you outraged that you didn't? Well, you should be, because that's a very sad story. If you want to stay updated on every episode of the podcast, you should follow the show's Instagram at Where Liberty Dwells Podcast, or follow the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also, I'd like to announce that in addition to episodes and articles, Where Liberty Dwells has published its very first statistical report titled, What Police Violence Statistics Don't Tell You. You've probably heard a lot about police murdering innocent people over the last year, often justified by facts and figures, maybe even a nice graph. In this report, I take a new glance at the very numbers the left uses to justify its claim that the police are systemically racist and put their assumptions to the test. For example, did you know that police officers who kill a black person are more often charged and convicted with a crime compared to when a white person is killed? To find out more, go to www.wherelibertydwells.com slash articles dash and dash reports. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm now on campus. Uh, I have been here for about a week, and I'm now on the third day of classes. And this is important because today I want to be talking about the absolute hysteria that has come over Champaign and the university here over COVID. As I talked about in my last episode, the university has required all students and faculty to wear a mask inside any university building, regardless of their vaccination status. This, of course, as I talked about in the last episode, makes no sense in terms of the data that we have available to us, and you are much more likely to die of falling off a balcony as a college kid than you are of COVID on this campus. I mean, the, the comparisons uh, that, that are compelling because the, the, these policies that they have enacted in order to keep us safe are, 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 are keeping us safe from a risk that is essentially zero. And that's, that was the whole premise of my last episode. But I didn't know just how bad it would be uh, going into this year. But now that I've just been through half a week of classes and a full week of being on campus, I can tell you it's worse than I expected. Uh, there are masks everywhere. I would guess that there's about 10% of people that you see outside are wearing masks. And if, you, if you've been in Champaign in the last week, you know that it has been absolutely sweltering. Yesterday, I walked home and I checked the temperature and it was 93 degrees and it was said feels like 106. And I still saw people wearing masks outside, outside. How deluded and how brainwashed and how accepting of authority do you have to be to do that? COVID has never posed a risk to anybody just walking past them outside. There's no data that shows that. Yet these, these people who are supposed to be the, the world's you know, best and brightest, they're going to an esteemed university these people are wearing masks outside. It's and, and it goes obviously into the classroom as well. All classes in the syllabus have had uh, policies talking about what to do um, with everything with COVID and how that if you don't abide by, you know, the testing or if, you, I mean, if you're not vaccinated and if you don't wear a mask, the policies and all of them say that, you know, you get asked one time to put it back on. And if you refuse, you get an unexcused absence specifically. And then if it happens again, apparently you can be dismissed from the university. Now that, you know, I get you have to have rules, 
But how how are we really calling this place a higher education institution if they are more concerned about a virus that talking about specifically the age group that you're that that is in this campus that is on that this policy is set to protect is is so unlikely to put you in the hospital or kill you that they would actually expel someone from the university and at the, and at the very minimum take you out of the classroom and have you not be able to learn over this over not wearing a piece of cloth over your face even if you are vaccinated from the same disease that they're trying to protect you from this is this flies in the face of logic and reason and the actual science now the science now has been a term that's been hijacked uh, for authoritarian purposes but true data that is available does not show that this is helpful in any way but I digress. Uh, I want to continue uh, also that it's not just in the classroom. It's also in the gym. And this is probably the most annoying part. It's bad enough just having to sit in a classroom with a mask on. Um, but yesterday I experienced something that I, w- I was at a loss for words. Um, the, the policy at the, the, the ARC, the Activity Recreation Center on the university, is that you have to wear a mask at all times. And they mean all times. Um, I, I walk in with it on, I get past the, you know, security where you have to check your, 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 not your vaccination status, but your, we have an app that, uh, tells you if you've been tested or you're vaccinated, it doesn't specify though. You have to get past there. And once you're inside, once I'm inside, I kind of take it down above my nose or sometimes even my chin. I just let it hang there. Um, I've been told to put that back on a couple of times when I'm just walking around. But yesterday, yesterday I was on a treadmill. And there was nobody on the next two treadmills to my left and right. So there was nobody. And the treadmills are already spaced out because of COVID. So imagine that there is nobody on my left or right in either direction for like 15 feet at least. And there's also no one in front of me because the, behind me was just a track. And no one was there wasn't a ton of people on it. And in front of me was like uh, kind of just a hole where you can peer down into the, the floor below the, the, the first floor. So there's literally nobody even close to me and I'm sprinting. I honestly figured I'm not wearing this mask while I'm sprinting. I'm doing a sprint workout. I took the mask fully off. And after about 15 minutes, uh, a student worker at the, at the art came up to me and said, can you put your mask back on? And I, I, I begrudgingly, you know, complied, put it back on, but I immediately put it on my chin. I'm like, you're not, I'm not, I'm not wearing a mask while sprinting. Okay. It's just not happening. And then what I figured what must have happened is that she saw this and was upset and she went and told her boss and then some big burly dude came out and he very sternly looked at me and he said, hey, hey, above the above the nose. And then he made me put it back on. I was absolutely astounded. I then had to kind of watch myself the rest of the time as I put it below my nose because I don't know if you've ever tried sprinting with with anything over your face, but it's not fun. And it's it should not be something you're subjected to, especially one when you're vaccinated from the disease that the mask is protecting you from, and two, there is nobody in in the vicinity of you at all, not even a little bit. The one place so far that I have encountered no requirements of wearing masks, even though I think you're technically supposed to still, is in the sauna, which, thank God, because if I, I swear, I swear, if I get told to put on a mask while I'm in a sauna when the temperature is literally 140 degrees, I, I'm going to throw a fit. It's just happening. Um... But honestly, it, the hysteria over COVID is something that I did not see coming in just to this degree, at least. Um, but 
the university is 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 also just deteriorating in every other aspect as well, which is just fantastic. Um, the uh, and specifically over the reinforcement of critical race theory, and I have seen this just in the past three days of classes from different friends of mine just telling them, me their personal stories of their classes. One friend of mine, he's, he's taking a class on the history of rock music, and his professor on the first day claimed that they that on the very first day of instruction, mind you, when usually you just go over the syllabus, he started talking about how, the, how heavy metal has racist origins. That was the lesson on the very first day. Another friend of mine uh, had um, introductions in the class where you say, your name and your major uh, and your year, all that standard stuff. But then they threw in pronouns. Uh, and it, it was it wasn't it, uh, he says it wasn't compulsory, but it was as if the the professor was watching you that if you didn't, it was like an, you're like you're not conforming thing. And he was singling you out. That's how he felt. That's a subjective thing. But still, the fact that they're even making you say your pronouns on the first day is is is, ra- is rather ridiculous to me. Um, he also said, I asked him, did anybody say other, anything other than he or she? And he said no. Everyone. So it was a completely worthless breath to take. And now that my friend has lost that breath forever. And then another friend of mine, or not so much a friend yet, but someone I just met uh, who who was part of the same fraternity as 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 the one I'm on on this campus. He went, but he went to Knox College. He just transferred in, and he was uh, he was in the same fraternity there. And he said, he just told us that over the last three years that he had been at Knox College, they, the university no longer allowed people to call it Greek life in any university spaces. It had to be referred to as fraternity sorority life because Greek life was offensive. That was their reasoning. Saying Greek life was offensive for some reason. And so it's really not a lot of hard data that I'm talking about right now, but just the fact that I have heard like three or four extremely absurd scenarios happening within the first week of school just goes to show me and should to be to everybody else just how bad it is and just how deteriorated the modern university is and how worthless they're becoming, especially if you're in a, a non-STEM related field. The humanities are complete garbage now and it's, it's a shame. And I'm, I'm, I'm no stranger to it. Luckily I haven't, I have not, personally yet felt the the effects of crt mostly because my classes are all um they're all statistics related or economics related so there's not too much room for that but i'm no stranger to it um i did a whole episode a couple years ago on uh, this class i took uh called asian american studies like it was an introduction to them and uh, if you haven't listened to that i suggest you should i think it was a good episode but class i thought was atrocious because while we were learning was interesting, the in, the entire I mean, obviously, it was filled with your your stereotypical um, woke ideology, critical race theory, all of that. But what I found truly striking and terrible was that the whole class was framed from the perspective of the of the downtrodden Asian Americans and the suffering that they have had, and we never once talked about the litany, the the giant list of Asian Americans. Uh, who have contributed overwhelmingly positively to society, uh, to American society. We never once talked about the good things. It was always about how bad it was and how much discrimination there was. And I'm not saying we should ignore that, but I'm saying that there should be some highlights about the good things. And it's not always just how white people have oppressed you from the very beginning of time. And so 
what I really want to just just make this point, make this final point on this is that I truly believe that we live in a world where now, at least, where major institutions of power, namely schools, the government, churches, and these mega corporations, these giant conglomerates, have appealed to many people's sense of empathy. And that's fine on its face. But their way to gain from from doing this, this appeal to empathy, whether that be financially gain, uh, influence policy, or just straight up a power grab, they have had to turn that sense of empathy in people. They've had to turn that empathy dial up to 11 and straight up break the meter. And now people are so desensitized in a way to it that we're at a point where moral subjectivity is the dominant force in our culture and people are offended over everything and people will dig as hard as they can into someone's past in order to find anything that they might have ever said even if they regret it and have apologized and therefore are no longer qualified for the current position they have it's things like that and obviously moral subjectivity i mean there's there's a list of genders as long as a football field if not longer i i learned of one today i saw a video called alexi gender I, I don't something about how you feel sometimes feminine or masculine but you're neither either way it's a it's an absurd and ridiculously long list that doesn't need to be there there are millions of americans that unequivocally bow down to unelected bureaucrats who make decisions based on the quote settled science which is really just a hijacked term for whatever they feel uh is the best policy given their own positions and it's usually not backed by actual data and and Maybe most importantly is the, the, the censor of, of free speech online. And I saw uh, a poll, a Pew Research poll, that said that more Americans now than ever want the government to take action on censoring certain speech online, which means that millions of Americans actually want a tiny minority of people in the government to be the arbiters of truth. This, this phrase, the arbiters of truth, is something I heard on Matt Walsh's podcast, but it's so true. That's really what that means. If you are in favor of the government stepping in and and censoring what people say and, and what they can say online, then you want them to be the arbiter of truth because you're, you're saying that because you want them to stop misinformation and disinformation, right? Well, then someone has to determine what that is. And you want it to be a tiny group of super powerful people? That doesn't sound like an ideal situation to me. And now to switch topics from Champaign, Illinois, in the United States to the other side of the world. I would be remiss if I did not talk about Afghanistan. Uh, since the last time I made a, a podcast, this was kind of just before everything was going on or right during the middle of it. Um, but now the dust has, has uh, at least mildly settled. That There's still a long way to go in this absolute crisis, which I'll get into. But basically, if, if you've been living under a rock and you have not heard about anything that's going to be going on in that country. Basically, uh, if we start from the very beginning, the United States uh, invaded Afghanistan almost 20 years ago. It was October 2001. And we invaded uh, because we found out that the Taliban, an Islamist theocratic government that, was, that had taken over uh, Afghanistan since 1996, they were very palsy with a group called Al-Qaeda. And these were the same motherfuckers who murdered 3,000 Americans by crashing massive commercial planes into the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. I hate to be so crass, but in the last couple of weeks from 
different people I've heard talking about this and, and, and why were, we were in Afghanistan, people seem to have lost sight of just how terrible that day was. I mean, the slogan is supposed to be never forget, and I fear that many people already have. Now, 20 years is a long time, and we have been there for almost 20 years, and there has been talk from as, as, as far back as President Bush, actually. The, the, in fact, the, the three previous presidents before Biden, Bush, Obama, and Trump, all talked about leaving Afghanistan. Um, but President Biden was the one who was determined to do it. And so in April of 2021, so a couple months back, his administration announced that the U.S. Uh, military forces in Afghanistan would be fully withdrawn by September 11th, 2021, which is a strange date. I mean, I see where he's going with the symbolism, but especially after the way it panned out, it just seems like a it just seems like a really poor decision. Because I mean, imagine you're you you, you try and leave a country on the very same day that twenty years ago the group that you're now letting take back over the country was responsible in in part for the murder of three thousand innocent people in your country. It just doesn't seem like the greatest idea, but that was the plan. So any normal person would assume that between April and September 11th, that the administration would have developed a very comprehensive plan on how to leave militarily from Afghanistan. And uh, actually president Biden said that he planned for every contingency. And I'll play for you this clip. Now I stand squarely behind my decision after 20 years I've learned the hard way that there was never a good time to withdraw U.S. forces. That's why we're still there. We were clear-eyed about the risk. We planned for every contingency, but I always promised the American people that I would be straight with you. The truth is, this did unfold more quickly than we had anticipated. Okay, now a couple things. Uh, very clearly, between April and August, it seems like they actually didn't plan for anything uh, or like like any contingency, not even a single one. They just packed up and left while also giving the Taliban three months of notice during their peak fighting season. Yeah, I mean, that could not have been more idiotic in that sense. And he said it unfolded more quickly than we anticipated. He, he admitted at least that you literally had no plan. We left behind an absurd amount of military equipment that is now in the Taliban's hands. This includes, and this is insane when I read this. We left, this is just the aircraft, by the way. This, is, this includes four C-130 transport aircraft, 23 A-29 Super Tucano ground attack aircraft, 45 UH-60 Blackhawk helicopters, 50 MD-530 helicopters, and 30 military-grade Cessna single-engine aircraft. And that's not even to mention the thousands of small arms and, and assault rifles we left behind. And then even further, there are thousands of U.S. citizens that were left behind in Afghanistan that could not, leave, that could not get out of the country because we packed up and left. There were, there were horrific videos and images from the, uh, the, the Kabul airport where there were Afghanistan citizens clinging to U.S. Air Force planes. As it took off, and those people later fell from those planes. There's a video of that too. Uh, I was just going to say there were thousands of Afghan citizens who were also trying to flee the country due to the 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 well-known terror of the Taliban. 
what we what we have done is without a doubt and when i say we i don't mean we as in any of us at all I'll, i'll rephrase what that administration and what joe biden has done is the single most idiotic foreign policy decision of my lifetime hands down and i haven't lived very long and i would probably extend that a couple decades before before my my own birth i mean the level of of idiocracy that you have to have to achieve what they just did is something that i can hardly fathom i'm not even sure if those words justify how i feel about this we we look so weak the united states is supposed to be the powerhouse of the world we're supposed to be the shining beacon for free markets and for the freedom of speech and expression and how are we supposed to maintain though that philosophy and our image of power when we can be driven out of a country by cavemen by cavemen who have no concept of of human rights at all and who want to see the death of all of the americans that that occupied Afghanistan and then the rest of the country after that we a ragtag group of cavemen were able to push out the most powerful military in the world because we have a man sitting in the highest office in the land who is senile he is he is absolutely moronic and he is so old he needs to go away we look so I this is the most this is more embarrassed as an American than I felt ever and I said this actually in an episode back during the January 6th, uh, you know, riots on the Capitol. And for the two most embarrassing days I've ever felt in as American to be in the same year is already pretty staggering. Um, but at least January 6th was something that we had to deal with internally. This is the whole world looking at us, thinking that we look absolutely incompetent because we have an absolutely incompetent person behind the steering wheel of our entire country. It's, it's more than deeply concerning. It's, it's so, I'm actually scared in, in many ways because we haven't had another attack on American soil since nine 11, but all of that security could be gone with this most recent development. I'm, I was actually in favor of, of leaving Afghanistan at one point. There's a reason that President Bush, President Obama, and President Trump all wanted that and then didn't do it. They all wanted that before they became president, then became president, and they get those intelligence reports, and they see just how bad it would be and how bad now it will be if we leave Afghanistan, especially in the fashion that we just did, with no coherent plan to salvage any military equipment or or. I mean, President Biden loved to blame the the Afghan uh, forces for capitulating within hours, basically. But 20 years in that in that timeline is honestly not that long to to foster a an entire government on founding principles. It it takes longer than than most people think. And and the idea that that we don't want any more Americans to die, which is a which is a fantastic idea. Oh, I think it's around 2,400, 2,500 Americans have died um, in this conflict. And that's a terrible thing. But for people now to be saying that, you know, it's this endless war with endless American deaths is 
also absurd because there has not been a combat death in Afghanistan since February 8th of last year. So it's been over a year and a half since the last combat death in Afghanistan. And and we just suddenly pull out as if as if we're di- we have hundreds of Americans dying every day. I once again I cannot stress enough just how idiotic this was and how embarrassed I feel as an American. I, I know we weren't probably going to successfully build a nation there and spread democracy as we have in other places. It, it is it is quite literally the most tribal place on earth. But now. The world knows, specifically China and Russia know, that the United States of America can be pushed around like this. No less from a group of cavemen. Once again, they, are, they have literally been living in caves for the last 20 years. And they do not respect any human rights. All, all women are going to be forced to, to cover themselves. And a woman has already been shot for showing her hair in a marketplace. And now we have let a breeding ground for terror spring up once again. And that should, that should scare you. That should scare the hell out of you. And it scares me. I think I'll have to leave it there. I've done enough ranting for today, but thank you all for listening. This has been Where Liberty Dwells Podcast. I'm your host, Vaughn Hilp. Mm-hmm.